are now listening to Real Talk with Mr. Q, the War Machine. Welcome back, people, to another episode of Real Talk. I'm your host, Mr. Q, the War Machine. And today's topic, we're going to be talking about the missing. And that's the name of this podcast. We're going to be taking a look at um, Emmett Till and also what is happening with uh, DHS reclassifying black immigrants. And we're just going to talk on that and other things. So it's, it's going to be an exciting show. But first of all, we're going to dive right on into this. You know, why did I bring up? Emmett Till, yesterday was his anniversary of his death, and today I came across the story for U.S. Today, and it was talking, it was titled about, uh, did Emmett Till have a white girlfriend? And he said, yes, and her name was Jonah Barrett, if I pronounce her name right. And she was mentioning in a film, a documentary in 1987 called Eyes on the Prize. And... She sat next to Emmett Till in class. She was the only white girl in his class in Chicago at that time. Because they was mentioning that when he was in Money, Mississippi, that's where the town where his cousin was eventually, where his life ended. Um, he had a picture of a white girl, and he was showing his, his uh, peers around Mississippi, hey, I had a white girlfriend. And... She can attest that him and her were friends and they was close because her being the only white girl and Emmett Till, as people have, you know, read the story and heard that Emmett Till had a lisp or he spoke with a whistle, especially he basically had a speech impediment. Let's just call it as it is. So those two odd couples became friends and one was a girl one was a boy and yada yada and that's how it was so she eventually they had a picture and she went on to another school and he went on to nothing something but at that time he went on down to see his people and he had a picture of her. and as it came out that you know like cheering they, they betted him to say something to a white another white woman because at that time you know, he wasn't in Chicago. He was around certain people, so it really wasn't as bad. He wasn't into what was going on in Mississippi, was not there in Chicago, not in your face. And being in this school, there was a white teacher at once. Then it became a black man and, you know, so forth. So Emmett Till was like, hey, I'm coming from kind of like a mixed neighborhood background. Oh, hey, how you doing? You know, he, you know, it's just a kid. Hey, how you doing? Nothing uh, bad about it. But just him saying, hey, baby, ended his life. And we all know the story of what happened. So as I read this article that U.S. News Report put out, uh, Miss Barrett, who's, ne who's now 63, I think she's 63, said 63 years later, you know, she gave a, a interview to the, the Chevron Ledger reporter and other reporters in Conoco 
condo in Chicago about her dealings with Emmett Till. And she recalled him being a nice guy, a, a real stand-up gentleman. And she liked his smile. And uh, they was real close and so forth. So um, when I first saw the article, I was kind of like, oh, hell. They trying to, you know, smear this man, you know, because we as black men has been the the whooping board for the last couple of months or so. Black man put his hand on, you know, Bill Cosby come to mind. Hey, he 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 raped me. He he does something to me. So um, when I saw this article, I was like, oh shoot, man, this dude dead, and they finna start talking. And don't get me wrong, there's still some fools out there that will play this as an angle because they say, see, see, he he had a white girlfriend. He was asking for it, but the dude was just, you know, a kid. You know what I'm saying? You know, and you know, you yeah, that as being cheering, sometimes we can't pick and choose who our friends are, especially like as I said, Emmett Till having a speech impediment and this chick saw that he's probably, you know, trying to, you know, use his words and so forth and she kinda understood being the odd person out, you know, she kinda helped him gave him some encouragement and they became close. And I can I can attest to that because when I went to school, I went in what they call one of those diverse mixed schools, and it was most majority black. And you may have like one white kid in there and one Asian kid in there or two Asians or something like that. But the the vast majority was blacks. And when I first went to school, I just wanted to play, man. That's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to play with people. You know, but the black kids there didn't want to play with me. And so they hurt me and made me cry. And this white girl that was in our classroom, she came up to me and asked me what was the matter. And I said, I just wanted to play. But they said they wouldn't play with me because they didn't like me. And she said, basically, I like you. I'll be your friend. So me and her became friends. And what by her becoming my friend, the Asian girl, which one was Japanese and one was Korean, came over and we became friends. Now, of the rest of the black kids, I say probably two came over and we was friends and we was friends up to the third grade until everybody moved away and so forth. So um, I can see that happening because that happened to me. And, but, you know, um, I know people may say, oh, man, you know, Miss Q, you know, you talking and stuff, you know. This, this, and that, and Elvin the third. No, I'm just saying that's to be true. That, hey, I know what it feels like to be different. And if you're in a different situation, some people of di being different or having differences, they tend to gravitate to one another. Because I'm scared, you're scared, but I can find a friendship in you, and you can find a friendship in me. So we can kind of pull together. And that and I, and I think that's kind of just human nature where you have the a, a group of people that saying, no, we ain't going to do this. But then you had that one person like, yo, man, you know, I'm scared and I'm scared. But I see that person right there and I could talk to that person. And I think that, no, I know that happened because this woman basically backed it up and it happened to me. But as I said, 
when I saw the article, I was sitting here thinking that, damn, at first I said, yo, y'all finna get ready to smear this dude's name. But really, she was, she didn't even know to a point. And when they showed her the picture, she just broke down and cried, you know, and said that he didn't deserve it. And the dudes were monsters. And they were. They took this dude and they killed him. And, you know, pistol whipped him, beat him, beat him till he was not even recognized. And his mom had to put him on display for the world to see. And they, you know, they were saying in the article that a lot of publications, mostly black publications and others worldwide covered, but not the major pop, uh, publications here until later on because it was too graphic. But no, they just didn't want to show the truth. And that really, uh, it just bring me to a, something personal in, in my life, like I said, that happened to me. And that remind me of, if anyone remembers the missing and murdered cheering of Atlanta, you know, I had a family member who was among those kids who was killed. I had a cousin. And um, I was, at that time, what, what, probably seven or eight. And my cousin, he was about 13, I think 13, 14 years old. And... Um, he went missing and he was gone. He was missing for like two, three weeks and they found his body, not, not even too far from my home. That's how far, I mean, because he came by our house like he normally do. He came by, saw auntie, he was coming home, you know, passing, you know, passing by, you know, whatever. And he was on his way home, but he never got home. And they found him in a field not too far from my home. And when I say it was graphic, it was graphic, people. I mean, they cut his cut his penis off, his behind. He was ravaged. He, he, was, he, was, he was toe up. He was beat. I mean, he was severely sexually tortured and beat. You know, I, I didn't see him, but my mom described it because she went down there with my aunt and to the to the moor and they had to verify and whatever and my aunt was never the same never the same after that my aunt went into a deep depression and it really affected my mom too and a lot of us and they said it was like somewhere between like 60 kids or more that had passed, you know, in that thing. And I almost became a victim of that. I was coming home one day. I went to Perkinson Elementary. Anybody know what Perkinson Elementary in Atlanta? I went to that school. And on my way home, some, you know, a man, a white dude, tried to snatch me. But luckily, I ran to this old woman's house, knocked on the door, and it didn't happen. But... You know, I know the two stories don't meet up because one was with a whistler and one was just random, just killing. But they do have a similarity of how violent and how vicious that our kids has been targeted for stupid stuff. 
just as some type of sport. And, you know, it's just like this here. I was listening to a YouTube thing how, you know, this brother was saying how black folks just wonder, you know, like we just wondering in the field, like something happened. Oh, my God, something happened. But, you know, it really don't change anything. But I can tell you that it changed me. Now, growing up, I'll be honest, I never knew Emmett Till until I got grown, until somebody said his name. And I had went and looked up and I said, damn. And when I saw the pictures, I said, damn. But in Atlanta, in at that time, it, I had something sim it had where this dude was going around killing folks. Now, they said Wayne Williams is the alleged killer behind the missing and murdered kids of Atlanta, but he's not. He may probably had two guys, whatever. But it, most of everyone who said that, that something happened, there was a white man behind it. But they never really looked into it until now. One police chief there in Atlanta reopened up this case before he retired. And they're looking back into that case because it didn't add up. Just like Emmett Till's case didn't add up. And we as a people, you know, we see these atrocities. We hear about them. But then we don't change anything because we keep seeing everything. Well, you know, we keep hoping and praying and looking for the best. But there is no best coming out of it. You know, we can look at the scriptures. The scriptures also tell us some things. But we don't work towards changing anything from that perspective either. So basically, we're just like running around like sheep to the slaughter. So um, I, I, I just um, wanted, you know, I'm going to leave a, a link of this article that did Emmett Till have a white girl in the description box for this podcast. And you go read it yourself. I just kind of glanced over it a little bit. But I wanted to bring that to your attention that, you know, hey, that... And, you know, Emmett had a friend, and she probably saw something in him, and she he saw something there. Like I said, again, sometimes we, as different people, you know, if I'm different and that person different, you know, we draw together. Because some, you know, especially we outnumbered, <laughs> and they became good friends. And, you know, hey, and like I said, he bragged that he had a, you know, had a picture of a white girlfriend, a classmate of his. And he felt that somebody liked him. And that made him feel special. But, you know, him carrying that picture in his hand, it also ended his life. That's bad. And I wanted to say this much about this show and other points about, out of all the other shows, like, like I hear, you know, I'm hear people saying, you know, Mr. Q, you talk about races, you racist and something like No, I understand where the this, this story of him having a girlfriend come, like I said, because people may say that the girl who helped me was my girlfriend. She was. I played with her. You know, I even went in her house. Her mom and dad was not of of American white. They was uh, over there from, uh, what the hell, Amsterdam. Her dad and them was in that weed stuff. I mean, her mom smoked hella bud. I remember I went in there because my mom, I knew what bud smelled like. I mean, they. I got a contact when I went in their house, so I. <laughs> they wasn't on that. They was straight up hippie stuff, but I'm glad that 
I knew her. Now, the environment as it is as a whole now, no. I wouldn't I couldn't be friends with too many white people or non-blacks because we are at war more now than ever. It you know, it it, it ain't like you know, back in the, in the early 80s to the early 90s, you know, white folks tried to kind of smooth things over. You know, I'm really trying to smooth things, try to mend the wrongs that they did because they really didn't want stuff to, uh, they really wanted to just get rid of it. And they, some white folks did try to work towards it. But now we got a president, all hands off, racism revved up. People, you know, want to do world star hip hop, put their hands on you and spit on you and punch you. Mm -mm. And even the white folks that you sit here and may say your friends are married to. Hey, they on cold. They on cold. If a call calls out right now, like, look, let's mount up like Voltron. We finna be racist robot. They finna do it because it's all or nothing. I didn't make the rules. I, I didn't set the playing the, the, the playing field. It's just, it is what it is. And everybody can sit up and say, well, that's not everybody. That's bull. Even in this environment of Me Too and all this stuff, you know, white folks are on code with one another. They ain't throwing each other too much under the bus. Oh, they had a little bickering, but they're not doing it. But we are. So for me to to have a friendship with them, it's almost like me laying my head on the chopping block now and say, okay, just let the guaranteeing thing fall down, head gone. It's over with, people. I mean, we have to look him and mount up, you know, because as, as being a parent, I'm a parent. I know people who listen to this going to be listening to this show as parents. And I think, you know, a lot of us need to go look at some of those pictures of Emmett Till's face. They need to go see how they beat him. As I said again, you know, I didn't see my cousin's body. I wasn't even allowed to go to his funeral. But I could tell you when my mom described in detail what they did to him, that seared in, in me because me and him was close. He was like a big brother to me. We, you know, we used to play ball and stuff together. And, not, and to know that somebody took him away from me because, you know, he want, you know he was walking home. Somebody saw a, a neighbor even saw, hey, they saw the dude give him a ride. So you need a ride. Hey, all right, no problem. I need to sneak up street. Never saw him again. So that's why I said, you know, I'm, I can relate to loss like that because it happened. And a lot of kids happened, died in Atlanta, ain't coming back. And they would, and they, I mean, they would, this person was slaughtered him like he was, he was going on a field trip. Got a tractor and he plowing, just picking up kids, just killing them, killing them, killing them, killing them. And it was mostly boys. And they ranged between 12 to 16 years old, some 17. But the, the, profile of this person was 12 to 16 he was picking up people and even younger he could have got to him you know and i know how our city with my mom and a lot of other folks were scared watching our kids hey make sure you get home so 
I just wanted to bring that to your attention. The second story um, I want to talk about is how Trump is now ordering the Homeland Security to redefy immigration status for for black nations or black immigrants. See, now it's here we go. You know, we've seen the Hispanics and the Arabs. Now we're going to come after y'all now. And the reason why they're doing this is because the floodgates are about to close people. And I'm just going to be saying these white nations, these white governments are getting tired of black asses coming over there. And they want to shut the gate tight. They want to keep their resources. You, you can see that in Trump's uh, terrorist bill or his terrorist war that people are suffering you know like i said you know it's you know as it has high tariffs that means stuff going up they doing it they locking down on certain things you know and it's sad that um this is happening and it's happening you know you come to this nation you know you did all your papers now they say nah bro you can't come over here not you and yes like i said you know Arab people got their wake-up call. Hispanics most definitely got their wake-up call. Now African nations are getting their wake-up call. And the reason of this is because they're trying to keep certain areas white. Just just call it as it is. Just trying to keep it white. And that's why they're trying to, uh, they're making these new rules. So, I mean, I don't feel, I feel bad a little bit for my African brothers and sisters. Sometimes I don't because I see and heard a lot of them come over here. They brag about coming over here. This, that, and other, and the third. But hey, you all that, go back to your home nation. Why you over here then? You know, and they be quick to come over here. They, you know, they forget about they being black or African. Shoot, they, you know, they think they above everything. You know, they, you know, I get me a white woman, give me a white man. You know, they talk that way. And I'll be like, damn, brother. You know, you going to do that? Yes. You're nothing to me. I mean, I, you know, I had a, a, this African dude tell me that. So, you know, and for <laughs> it really kind of set me back apart because, you know, it'd be like, damn, I'm nothing. Damn, we probably from the motherland, but shit, whatever. But, um, yeah, they are putting those rules in effect now, slowly but surely. You know, like you remember Trump made that statement about, you know, all Af most of most most if not all African countries are shitholes. Now here come the policy behind that tweet. Now all the folks that's trying to run over here or here on visas, you know, they don't know where it's gonna be at. You know, they even question amnesty status, like, are you really here uh, under uh, a political asylum or you really hear threatened? You know, like, damn, you know, man, well, let me let me put it this way. I was in the Sudan. There was war. A warlord tried to run me out. I think, you know, nah, but can you prove it? See, they get they getting stupid like that. And the reason why they getting stupid, because if you can look over Europe uh, to here, you know, immigrants are running overwhelming, uh, running white European nations. And they're getting tired of that. Why you think that England got out of Brexit? They don't want that crap over there. But Britain got to pay to get out of it. 
Same thing here. See, now it's getting to a point where it's, it's us against you all. It's us or nothing. And they really showing it in their policies. You know, shit, like, damn, what else you want? They letting you know right there. And if you don't believe me, like I said, again, I'll find that article, drop it in the description box, and you go look at it. They're really setting that stuff up like, hey, they don't want you here. They don't. Side note, I want to add to this news uh, podcast. Uh, shout out to the, the black dude that's in Florida who won Democratic theme for governor. But they even said that his theme was a flu. He had a small fit. I forgot his name. But you know, I put it in the description. I find it, put it in there. They said that his victory is a small victory. See, everything that you and I try to do are small. And you got to look at it now. It's like, again, the environment here, we can't keep walking around here lackadaisical. We can't keep sitting here telling ourselves that we can find some common ground with so-and-so. No, nah, bro, we're at war. We've been at war for a long time. Like I said, again, between 1980 to, to the mid-90s, there was a time of peace right there where they, with some would-do good white people would even, was trying to work things out. But now we're in the age of Trump. Mm-mm. Folks emboldened. Folks coming up to you now, they feel they got the right to put their hands on you. They got the right to, pick, to piss on you, spit on you, get you killed, call the cops on you. You know, take your property when they feel like it. Slap your wife or man when they feel. See, these folks are getting involved. I'm not making it up. Turn on the TV. Turn on YouTube. Go to World Star Hip Hop. Go, uh, go to any news outlet. Dig down in, into their weekend columns. You'll find something of this, that, and the third. People. The reason why I titled this The Missing is because... These folks, Emmett Till, my cousin, and others, they was missing, taken from us, done things to, murdered, just for being kids, black kids. I, I can just imagine not knowing but imagine that my cousin didn't think that that summer of 1982 will be his last. Same goes with Emmett Till. I think that he probably didn't think that him saying, hey, baby, you have a nice day, will be his last time that he will be here. And a lot of other things, even up to date. Let's fast forward up to date because a lot of us got... Got a lot of black folks. Oh, man, that's in the past. Let's speed up to stuff now. That's current events that's happening right now. The black folks that's happening. Can't go to the store. Got a gun. I'm reaching for my wallet. I'm coming home from school. You got a gun. I'm playing. I'm in my garage. You got a gun. You, you hit up. You see the pattern. Calling cops. On, oh, you got a gun. You try, what, got, got a gun. Can't go to the, can't have a barbecue. You don't suppose to be, I'm calling cops on you. Selling water, I'm calling cops on you. These are current events that have happened to us. 
and we still walking around here. Listen to elevator music while our heads are getting cracked in. Or we tell ourselves, hey, you know, long it ain't come to us yet. See, I've just given open up to you why that I call myself the war machine. You know, because again, I sat on the sideline. I was in that time of kumbaya. And as I said, I, I, I'm going to sit up here and tell you, I got helped by some white folks. Oh, there's some, some good white folks that did help me. But they're not here anymore. And if they are, they on code. And they know it. They know if if Trump and all the rest of them, like that old saying, one bad apple spoiled a whole bunch. And it is. Don't don't set your hopes on that. One bad apple spoiled a whole bunch. And if they if that one bad apple can get them to do it, hey, they're gonna do it. I, I want to also bring up another thing, and it just popped in my head just now. It was a dude, uh, I forgot his name, minister or something. He, I saw this article way, way back, first of the year, I say about March or something. And this dude was a, in the, he's a, he was a brother in the, a soldier in the um, nation of Islam, right? Um, and he went off with some white coworkers too. A lake. I had a out, you know, lunch out and whatever. And he never came back. And but his co-workers did, but he didn't come back. This dude left behind six kids. But when they found this dude, they said he fell off and drowned, right? But when they did the autopsy, this dude was beat unconscious. His ribs was broke. He had a broken shoulder. All that. <laughs> they. <laughs> for, for falling off a boat. No. What happened. Is when he went out there talking. At, talking. Why this. And they probably asked him. Well. You know. Why. so Why the nation is against us. Why you got to live like that. And he. You know. Being. The black man he was. Probably wouldn't explain. Not. Th not thinking that somebody would. You know. Not being afraid. You know, because, hey, I'm just speaking the truth. I had the right to say what I'm going to say, right? But no, 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 no. These cave beasts got emboldened. And they whooped his ass and they threw his ass in that water and killed him. That's what happened. And when I saw that story, and like I said, that was at the first of the year, that reminded me of Emmett Till. Like I said, you got to be aware about who you go around, man. And like I said, they're all black devils. I'm not going to sit up and say, put this all off on, on white folks. It's, it's some black folks, too, that will do you in the same way. So, you you know, those who are of righteous standards, you're going to, like my mom said, you're going to have eyes in the back of your damn head and in the front and then on the side, too. Because you got folks, you got enemies in the mist, and they want to snuff out the righteous man and woman and that and if you're not ready to fight for you know fight for it then hey you might just go and open your doors at night put a open sign out in front of your house that please come on in kill rape and and, and take whatever you want because that's exactly what you're telling them when you sit here you hear these stories 
and people say, oh, man, that's so sad. Oh, man, that's just this, that, no, and a third, but nothing changed. Nobody get mad about it. I mean, I'm mad, but I'm doing something. I'm lending a voice to new black media. I'm bringing this to you. Like I said, I'm sharing my personal story of my loss and to, I'm trying to understand the loss of Mrs. Till, who's no longer here, and Emmett Till's family. We all have lost somebody to a point. That person may on the TV may not be related to you, but that person, you lost that black man. You lost that black woman. I wouldn't wish none of this stuff on any black family to get that knock or that call on the door and saying that your loved one was ravishly raped and beat to death. I wouldn't want that. Wouldn't want that not one bit. And for people to come over here who trying to make a better life, but the government telling you, hey, don't want your ass over here no more. <laughs> well, hell, then take what you got, take it back on and build your own nation. I, I, I don't see nothing wrong with that. But as I learned this new concept of the Negro pen, a lot of black people want to be Negro pen. Not European, Negro pen. They want to be black Europeans. They don't want to be where they come from. They don't want to be that because over there they have to build that. They don't want to remember the trials and tribulations or something because that's too hard. You know, again, living with that autumn gets you up in the morning to fight the good fight, as they always say. Now, again, real talk is here for those who want to listen. It ain't going to be here for everybody. I understand that. I know people going to sit up here and say, man, you know, hey, you corny, whatever, cool. I, I ain't get what you got. I got you. This is for those who really are looking for a voice in news or someone who can come and add certain things to the mix that is totally different. And that is a righteous point of view, a compassionate point of view. Not all knowing, because I'm not going to sit up and say, I know everything. That's like food that's on One American News said, well, even when I'm right, I'm wrong. That's a fool thing. Here, this is a growing and learning and the same thing. But I wanted to bring you that, that story about the Emmett Till have a white girlfriend. And I wanted to look at it, to present it to you and look at it in, from two points. One, he did have one. Two, the media or perception can look at it and see, hey, he got what he deserved. Because you're going to have fools out there mumbling in that thing to try to see how can they twist this. Because this case is being reopened again. And they're going to try to do anything because they've been dirtying up a lot of successful, well-known black men got caught up. As I said, go back to Bill Cosby and a lot of other stuff. Morgan Freeman, you name it, the list goes on. Dealing with this garbage. Instead of just like, hey, get yours, get on, be by yourself, and hey, let, let cars fall where they may. Some of us, as I said, Negro pens, term I learned, have gotten too comfortable. And then when we get burned, or we think that, 
you know, that, you know, like my mom said, you don't believe fire burn, then shoot. Fire burn is then we, you know, hey, we, we consume. So, um, this, this story here kind of got me down a little bit, people. You know, it, it really did. You know, it's just, I had to look at it from that, again, looking from those different perceptions and points of view because the the national media, if they get a win to this, and like I said, this case get up, a lot of people are going to try to make it look like, as I said, this, that, and whatever. And as I said, you know, the missing. You know, the black kids, I didn't know every black kid that was in America, in, in, not in America, but in Atlanta, that was murdered. But I know my cousin was one of them. And I know that their family hurt just like mine's hurt. And they didn't really get the justice that they deserve. The, the Atlanta PD and all the folks hurry up trying to put that to rest because they didn't want to have a race thing going on. So they had to put a black face on it to neutralize it. But one black cop, one black chief that's in Atlanta, Fulton County Police Chief, before he left, reopened that case. And he knew that it wasn't Wayne Williams that did that shit. It was some white dude. And he maybe had help. So I'm, li I'm sharing this with y'all. I'm pleading with you people out here that y'all need to wake up. Stop taking your life for granted. Stop sitting around here thinking that just because these folks ain't pounced on you yet, they ain't going to do it. Because if that happened, you don't, I, I guarantee you half of y'all going to fall. Because you ain't going to pick up arms to do anything. You're going to just say, well, we're just going to let the court settle it. And the court stacked against us. Well, we're going we're gonna to vote away. The political system stacked against us. What we're going to do? No. We're going to have to start reinventing ourselves in our homes first, then into our communities. That's the only way we're going to do. And again, you know, that's the only answer. So I hope that you took something away from this podcast here. Um, stay tuned to watch the case as it unfolds of Emmett Till. Uh, because the chick who blamed Emmett Till and got him eventually murdered is still alive. And that's no coincidence. Judgment is upon her. But they're going to try to, their best to try to make this as well. You know how that is. That's in the past. And no, no, we shouldn't let that die off like that we shouldn't and you know uh, another thing i want to throw in there, like i said in another podcast i was telling you about a police officer in florida making a joke that he wanted a a trayvon martin martini you know this is the way that you know most of these people be thinking man and we, you know it's like shit this is the environment and the climate we in Ain't no kumbaya up in here no more, black people. I, I'm sad to say it ain't. I don't know what else y'all want. But it ain't no kumbaya. It ain't no trying to understand them. I'm, t I'm not trying to put fear on you. I'm letting you know that that's in, this is in real time. Like they say on 24, this is, all of this happened in real time. This is real time. This is real, as real as it's going to get until it comes to your front door and they drag you out. And you be one of those victims. So with that, I put the links in the articles in this description box, people. Um, 
just be safe out there and just take this podcast let it just sink in you know don't be oh well whatever just you know listen to it again probably twice let it sink in you know that's all y'all be safe man this was the war machine real talk with mr q don't forget to join us next time